Welcome everyone to our NCAA social series. I'm Andy Katz. This is our 100th episode and we're pleased to be joined by three incredible student athletes that have accomplished quite a bit and still more to come both on the field of play with their universities and in the real world. <laughs> so joining me, Ryan Cassidy, he is our real world person here. We'll get to that momentarily. Played football at Rutgers, has finished his career. So is he our Division I student athlete representative? Wiley Kane, biology major, and a football player at Kentucky Wesleyan, a junior, still has another year of eligibility in Division II. And Megan Cook, she is a molecular biology major, cross-country track athlete in Division Three at Colorado College, still has at least one more season here in the spring in track to compete as a senior. All right, so the three of you, and as you guys know the drill, we're gonna have a little conversation here about the importance of the student athlete experience as members of SAC, what does that mean, where we are and going forward. So I will look to our esteemed uh, elder statesman here, Ryan, with the professional glasses that you have right now. Let's start with you. Uh, your overall experience as a student athlete uh, how would you rate it and where are we going at this point? Andy, that's a great question. First off, just want to thank you for having me. And I think it's it's absolutely poetic that the 100th episode of the social series we have here is highlighted around student athletes and the experience and where we can contribute to um, our own experiences, not only now, but in the future, many, many years from now. So to answer your question, I was very fortunate that as a Jersey guy, I was able to go to my home state university, compete for Rutgers, play the greatest game in the world, played football in the Big Ten Conference. And um, I enjoyed every moment of it because every moment was filled with either one of two things. It was either growth or triumph and, um, you know, defeat. There's there's so many different things that you look to um, on, on the field and off the field and in the classroom. And I was so, so fortunate that even in moments of triumph and defeat, I was able to grow and I was able to take out um, some type of lesson. And I think that that has got me as I am now graduated, um, that has got me to a pretty good point in my life. And um, not only that, it, it would not have been anything if, if not for all the amazing relationships that I was able to form with not only my teammates, but other student athletes, with other students, with my athletics department, our administrators, everybody contributes to each other's experiences. And, you know, I was very, very fortunate to have a good one. And, and where are you now? I, I, I tease this. That's right. So currently I'm working for uh, a technology consulting firm in um, South Jersey, uh, staying home, got to stay close to the roots, but uh, I am the, the real world advocate, as you mentioned earlier. All right, same question to uh, Will and Megan. Let's go around the room first. You go, uh, Wiley, excuse me. My experience at uh, being a Division II student athlete has been everything that I could have possibly uh, wanted and more. I think the big thing I will say that's amazing about, you know, being a, a Division II student athlete is the uh, that life in the balance philosophy that Division II um, brings about so well. Uh, is the fact that we have some high levels of competition. I mean, I know for a fact you're looking at um, guys in the NFL right now who, who have played D2. I know um, Ashton Doolin, who plays for the Indianapolis Colts, played in my conference. So 
Um, so you know that there's a high level of competition, but then also, you know, it's been so easy to get so involved um, off of the field as well, because um, it really is something that is um, pushed in, in life. So I'm, I'm very involved off, uh, off the field on campus and I love being a part of my uh, small college community. So um, I'm really thankful for my opportunity to play division two football. And I don't know how to follow that up quite quite as well as these two put it so eloquently, but um, I have the, the privilege of competing at the division three level and as a cross country and track athlete, a lot of people think that those sports are very individual. Um, but I can tell you that just from my division three experience, as well as anyone who's a runner will tell you how much the team and the community that you're in actually really impacts the way you're able to compete um, and, and perform to your highest ability, whether you're injured and you need support there. But as a division three athlete, it really has been a privilege to be able to find the way that we can work to have both of those. That really is what the division three philosophy is all about. Uh, on my individual campus, I've been able to find support, not only amongst my coaches and teammates, but also the athletic admins. It's been really exciting to have those experiences. So Ryan and Wiley, and then uh, Megan, if you can, on the back end of this, um, we got to put in perspective, obviously, because all of you have had an intriguing four years because it's been broken up, obviously, by COVID. So we have to put that on the side. We know that has not been normal. Obviously, 2020, last year was not, and we're sort of still now coming out of it. So with that on the side, we can't ignore it, but I want to start with you again, Ryan, on how much has changed from year one to now year four or five, depending on how long you've been there and what, you know, just that change aspect. I know COVID is in the middle of that, but tell me what has changed for the student athlete experience overall from year one to year four or five. That's a fantastic question, Andy, because the change in experience and the change in the landscape of the association has, has been tremendous. There, there have been such drastic changes. Um, I mean, you can start off with the gender equity review that is supposed to encompass what equity is supposed to mean um, for all sports, including Title IX and its, its, its policy, its legislation, and ensuring that all the, the different intricacies of Title IX are, are carried out in every division, in every sport. So I think that that's a, a really good testament to how we are changing with the times. We're modernizing in the ways that, and the, the things that need to be modernized. Um, and also with the Constitution, we have a completely new set of, of rules to, um, to abide by, and, and maybe not everything is completely new, but they are, once again, they're modernized to ensure that our programs and our teams um, at all divisions are able to function and um, operate at its, its highest uh, capacity and its highest potential. So um, from year one, when I, I began five years ago in 2017, I would say that the experience has gotten better. I would say that there's still a lot more work that needs to be done. Um, and, and that is why the three of us are in the roles that we are with the student athlete advisory committees at the national level, because as, as much as um, it is great to see that there is progress, there is always more progress to be made um, afterwards. And I think that the steps that we're taking right now are hopefully going to be sustainable in the future. So um, that student athlete experience can continue to get better, better and better. 
But I, I think that the two things to really highlight in terms of changes in the association uh, have to be the gender equity review and the completely revamped constitution. Wiley and, and Megan on the back end, give me something tangible. What has literally changed in your lives as student athletes, year one to now year four or five? I would say that the student athlete voice, the way that we're able to utilize our voice has increased drastically from when I came in as a freshman to um, now sitting here going into my senior year of college. You know, um, Division Two still remains um, as the only um, division where the student athletes have a voice, a literal, a literal vote on the, the division convention board, but but as Ryan talked about with the new constitution, um, they, the implementation of uh, more steps and more ways for the student athlete to give their opinion, for the student athlete to give, um, to get their voice across has been completely insane to me too. For me to watch and for me to see how um, the NCAA as an organization has reached out time and time again, um, repeatedly to student athletes and said, uh, this is a change, you know, and honestly, you know, so from my perspective, I see that it's a change that could be made without asking the student athletes for their opinion and just say, hey, deal with it. But instead, the NCAA has decided, no, that's not the road that we're going to take. We're going to reach out to the student athlete advisory committees. We're going to reach out to the conferences. We're going to reach out directly to student athletes on every single campus and say, what do you see? What is your uh, what is your opinion on this change? What do you think needs to be better? And I think that has led to some of those great changes, especially as led to the, some of the changes that Ryan mentioned with the gender equity review that um, started off a lot with, with uh, student athlete led. So um, it's tangible to me. Um, and maybe this is just my matriculation into SAC and, and everything with that, but um, it, it's tangible to me to see the voice change because in, in freshman year, I would not uh, think that I would be as comfortable saying that the student athlete has as powerful of a say um, in the NCAA as they do right now. And I think that's an amazing thing that should be applauded. The two big things that I've seen change are student athlete advocacy and autonomy. I think along with what we've seen um, that both Wiley and Ryan just answered, we've also seen name, image, and likeness enter this landscape. And I think when we think about the opportunities that their own autonomy in these spaces, so that way they are, are able to benefit from their experiences in a way that makes them more financially secure. And so I think that really the themes that we're seeing are just that student athletes within groups of themselves are really acknowledging the fact that we have a voice that matters and can actually make changes, not only for our own experiences, but for future experiences. And so I think, again, you know, we're really echoing things here, but at the end of the day, the student athlete voice is, is being taken more seriously and it's being taken more seriously among student athletes as well. We're looking to each other for advice and we're working together across the association to make sure that the changes we're making are really for all student athletes to benefit from. And we're changing the culture of sports by doing this. Because as I said on our last social series where I was on, the athletes of today are the coaches of tomorrow. So the changes we make within the association today are going to have a trickle-down effect for future generations of athletes. Great point, uh, because the future coaches, I think, will definitely, and who knows what it'll look like 10 years, 20 years from now, will embrace more of the NIL world and the transfer world and all those things 
than maybe even today, even though it's come a long way in the last couple of months. Um, you know, Wiley, I, I want you to answer this if you can, please. You know, so even at the NCAA tournament, when I was in Portland, you know, we had the Indiana cheerleader getting the ball and then she has a t-shirt after it. Uh, and that's celebrating. That's great. Um, you know, and there was this whole narrative initially that it's going to ruin things and only the football men's basketball players are going to benefit. And that's clearly not been the case. Um, what's your reaction to how, uh, it has gone across all divisions, all sports where, um, you know, depending upon what happens, people can benefit. I've loved it. And, you know, being a, a football player, we would be mentioned as part of the problem uh, for NIL, right? They're like, oh, it's just going to be uh, the Oklahoma Sooners quarterback, uh, Spencer Rattler, when he signed the deal with Raising Canes. And it's just going to be something like that, right? Um, but it's been amazing to see how people not only um, are making money for themselves, but are also making a difference in the lives of others. I know I saw uh, I, I throw Oklahoma out there again, but it's because I remember this specific example um, in that Red River rivalry. Texas is O-line. They're, they signed an NIL deal that was completely um, charity-based, and it's going to be they're going to raise money for a charity, right? I've seen people in my own life, I've seen um, student athletes around here at the Division II level who, who are not football players sign um, NIL deals that half of their proceeds go to charity. I've seen people um, reach out and bring family members across the um, across the ocean. I, I know I'm a big um, University of Kentucky men's basketball fan behind KWC, obviously. Uh, but um, I saw Oscar Sheboy was able to bring his mom uh, to watch a game, and he'd never been able to do that before. And that's just one example, and that's easy to see because it's on Twitter every day. And it's because it's on a, a feed that I see. But that's just one example of the so many different ways that student athletes are using their NIL for good. They're using it to impact their communities. They're using it to make change. And like, this should have been something that everyone realized was gonna happen in the first place because you look and you look over history, you look at every, you look at significant changes that have been made throughout history, not only in the athletics landscape, but in just the landscape of our country. And you look at students leading the charge. You look at people who are in the ages of, 19 to 24 who have said who have grown up in a different time than those who are a little older who are more acclimatized to that time and say you know what it is time to make change in our world for good and we are the ones who know how to do it we're old enough it's time for us to take the mantle and you see that with nil now it's not only people being it's not only people being selfish and saying hey i'm gonna go make myself a millionaire you know obviously that sort of thing has happened but you see so many people just using their uh, gifts, their attributes, their abilities to make lives better. And I just want to give one final little example because it hits so close to home for me. Um, Western Kentucky was absolutely devastated um, with tornadoes a, a couple of months ago. And, you know, I've, I've been out there. I've seen personally the just the damage and everything that has happened. And and one thing that struck me as really cool, um, Will Levis, University of Kentucky starting quarterback, he wore a pair of game cleats during um, the Citrus Bowl against Iowa that had the names of every single person who died in the Western Kentucky tornadoes. And then afterward, he auctioned it off and 
every single dollar from the proceeds go to disaster relief. So um, you'll never be able to convince me that NIL is just a bunch of selfish college athletes who um, want to make money for them for themselves and and want to make themselves. Well, and the other thing I'll tell you, you know, Chris Vote, who's from Mayfield, Kentucky, plays for Wisconsin, and there was a lot of attention drawn to when he went back to Mayfield, Kentucky, to help, you know, with the community. They raised money. There was GoFundMe and all that kind of stuff that I think was, um, you know, important. That showed how a student athlete can use their platform for good to help the community. Um, Ryan, what do you see? You have a little different perspective because now you're out. Um, what do you see are the tangible things that have, you know, have changed that we will see going forward in the next year with this new constitution? With the constitution, I think that there's a lot of different elements to it that are going to be implemented at, at the campus level. Because Andy, when you think about the association, I think almost of a tree, you know, you think that the, the base of the tree and the stump almost is, is really where all the foundation is. That's our membership schools, division one, two, and three. That is every single school that, that creates that foundation, that strong foundation of those roots. And as you go higher and higher on that tree, you have branches. And I'd like to think that as you get higher than the tree, you get to the conference level, as you get to the penultimate point of the tree, that is the national level. And you have the branches of committees and of, of different organizations within the association um, that are able to create rules and modernize rules and uh, had a lot of say in, in the constitution configuration process. But to answer your question as to what is going to change um, tangibly, I think that something that's very important um, Article 6B includes student athletes being comprised um, a, a majority of uh, committees that have athletics department representation. So I think that that's a big piece that we've been preaching for so long, student athlete voice, student athlete voice, student athlete voice, but where are you going to see that change? And I think that having that implemented into the constitution is something that not only reflects the association's priority of amplifying the student athlete voice, but um, it, it's no longer just about having a seat at the table. It's no longer just about being a number and saying, check that box off of student athletes in the group. Um, I think a word that Megan brought up is, is perfectly encompassing of what we try to do in SAC and what every student athlete should try to do. And that's advocacy. Um, we don't want to just be uh, people who advise things anymore. We want to be educated advocates. We want to be fully informed and ensure that all the seats that we do have tables at we are contributing. We are contributing a lot of valuable expertise and valuable experiences that can create momentum and, and navigate different discussions that um, are going to sculpt how athletics apartments operate on that ground level at that on, at, at all those roots and all those those bases of uh, membership schools within divisions one, two, and three. So I think that um, constitutionally. Uh, implementation wise that I think student athlete voice is going to be amplified in a lot of different ways. And we're going to see that happen um, obviously in, in this August and for many years to come. You know, Megan, I'm not worried about D1 uh, having a voice for student athletes. There's so much attention to that. We're now seeing that subgroup of like the separation and two and three are sort of, you know, obviously going to focus in D1, but in the division three level, uh, for better or for worse, there's very much about, you know, the athletics are part of the university and 
this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. Uh, how do we ensure that division three athletes have that voice? Uh, because those campuses clearly are not financially driven by television contracts, bulls, you know, the men's basketball NCAA tournament, all the money that comes from that. It's much more at the ground level. How do the student athletes at D3 ensure they've got that voice? I think really when we think about it, it actually comes down to the character of student athletes that sort themselves into division three because we are not scholarship based. And I know that not every athlete in division one and two is scholarship based, but because no division three student athletes are scholarship based, the type of athletes you get in our programs are the ones that are there because they love the sport. And when you love for some love something as much as division three athletes love to compete, they are going to be willing to fight for it. Something that has been truly astonishing to me as I've had the privilege to represent D3 athletes over the last year has just been the way that these student athletes want to be better, not only within competition, but they actually want the entire institution to be better. And so when you look at division three athletes, they aren't just members of the teams that they're on. They are within various leadership groups on their campuses. They know their presidents because they're involved across the campus. And for me personally, you know, I can only truly speak for my own experience on the Colorado College campus. I can say without a doubt that division three student athletes care more than almost any other student I've ever met about making their institutions a better place and they're an integral part of their campus community. So while we might be concerned that division three student athletes aren't being heard, let me tell you, I sleep easy at night because I know that division three athletes will make sure they're heard because we care enough to make sure we have a seat at the table and we will fight until we actually have that seat. And like Ryan was saying, we're not only being heard, but we're actually being listened to and we see it through until the changes are implemented. All right, Ryan and Wiley, last words here. Tell me what college athletics, big broad question here, but you got to give me a good answer here. What is it going to look like for the student athlete? Wiley, then Ryan, go ahead. Give me, you know, two to five year range. What are we looking at? What's it going to look like? In two to five years, I think the landscape of college athletics is going to be almost unrecognizable from what it is now, because I think that there will be a couple of um, big deals. So NIL is going to be a lot more integral of a part on campus. I think there are going to be um, a lot more education and um, like classes and things focused on just purely NIL. Like how do you maximize your potential marketing yourself? How do you maximize your potential to give back to the community in that way? How do you maximize um, all of these opportunities that are out there? How do we create an interconnected campus and community environment through name, image, and likeness deals? Because that's one big deal for, I know for division two is the campus and community connectedness is how do we use NIL not only to get, to get money flowing into like the students and the schools and the community, but also to connect the um, the dealerships in the community in the in these small towns where Division two schools are to the to the university. And then also I'm going to say that I think that the NCAA is going to make extremely good steps forward in the, the gender equity section of um, what we're looking for right now. So I think that uh, women's sports in particular are going to take many steps forward. I know that in the last 10 years, there have been light years, light years forward. Um, in women's sports, but I think they're going to continue that in five years. So 
I think the two biggest things I'd say that in five years are going to look different is, is that, you know, student athletes are going to come in on NIL deals and they're going to know exactly how to navigate those. And NIL is going to be a huge part of just daily life on campus. And then also I think that um, women's sports are going to be seeing a lot more um, equity in, in the athletic field. Okay. So I, two to five years, I envision the NCAA encompassing really one word for student athletes and that's prosperity. Wiley hit two really, really important topics that our name, image, and likeness are going is going to grow. There's going to be more opportunities for student athletes. Number two, the gender equity review is going to be reflected in every sport, on every single campus, in every conference, at every single championship. Flexible transfer laws, um, more roles for student athletes at the campus, conference, and national level. Student athletes are going to be able to prosper in whatever capacity they put themselves in. Uh, I think Megan did a really good job of saying as long as that seat is there, the go-getters, the student-athletes that really want to go and, and, and make a change in not only their lives and their experiences, but the lives of their teammates and their conferences and their division and the association-wide, um, these experiences are going to be what the student-athletes make of it, and those prosperous opportunities are going to be there for the taking. Well, I'll tell you, the future is bright, no question, with the contributions from the three of you and many others that are involved, not just in SAC, but obviously they're advocating as student-athletes. Uh, Ryan Cassidy, uh, Wiley Kane, and Megan Cook, I appreciate your time. Uh, Megan's a return returnee uh, to our social series here on our 100th episode. Uh, hopefully we will hear from all of you again. Uh, appreciate all of you and all the hard work that you're going and doing uh, on, on this topic and many others. As always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all our social series are archived. Thanks for watching, everyone.